this month we're actually going to be starting a whole new series called Becoming Unstuck. This is something that's near and dear to my heart because I wrote the book. <laughs> Last year I wrote this book called Becoming Unstuck and it was, it was based on 20 years of counseling. And I noticed that over a long time that people, whenever they would come for advice or counseling or mentoring, they would talk about where they were and, and that they were just stuck in where they were in life. And it didn't matter if they were wealthy or poor or accomplished or uneducated, powerful, weak, black, white, old, young. The, across the board, people just got to a place where they were stuck in life because being stuck is no respecter of power or position or, or profile file that you have. And I noticed that there were certain patterns that we keep repeating over and over and over again every time I spoke to people. And I'll be honest, I maybe took for granted that people understood how God wanted them to operate, how he wanted their lives to operate. And I really took that for granted because I've been blessed in my life that I not only just had a good family, but I was actually brought up in the ways of God. And so I decided to write this book to, to, to not have to repeat myself over and over again. It made it a little bit simpler. And you can, you can go to our website, northwestorlando.com, and click on a link to get that book, or you can go straight to Amazon, or we even have some books at the, at the back as well. And if you don't have the means to, take, to, 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 to buy a book, please, please just take a book. I'll be happy to give you one. I would rather that you would just take one. This is something that's important to me. Years ago, I even got to a place where I became stuck myself. I couldn't move forward. And it was around about the time when my, my own father died. It was uh, just, just, just shy of 20 years ago. And he died very horribly of this cancer that really racked his body. And I hated it and what was happening. Around about that time, I'd spent all my money trying to go over to help my dad in Scotland. And I had no money. And I came back to America. And we were a very small church. Didn't have a lot of money. I really wasn't being paid a lot of money at all. And, uh, and Crystal and I were just really new, newly married. And I knew that I wanted to start a family at some point. And I knew that I'd have to try and buy a house. I had to build a home for my children. And I was getting more and more frustrated because I couldn't afford to do it. I didn't have the means. I didn't have the power. I didn't have the abilities. I didn't have the skills. I just didn't know what to do. And I remember getting up at three o'clock in the morning once and I, I went for a walk and I was frustrated with God and I was telling him all this stuff. And I suddenly shouted out, you're the worst paying boss. And that's how I really felt. I felt like I was employed by God and he was terrible at paying me. I didn't have any money. I couldn't do the things that I really wanted to do. In that moment, something really spoke in my heart and I, and I felt God say it wasn't my fault. And that cleared nothing up for me. It didn't fix anything. I'm like, what does that even mean? Is it my fault? Is it your fault? Is it someone? What's going on? And it was amazing how, how when you're frustrated or you're stuck in a certain place of your life, you start blaming certain sources. I started blaming my dad that it was his fault. I blamed, my, I blamed even my father-in-law that it was his fault. He wasn't paying me enough. Then I started blaming God. And I started blaming everybody else. And then I started blaming myself that I wasn't good enough. And then I started to have to start digging into what was the problem. And this really was a beginning of a discovery for me. When I discovered I didn't have the tools that I needed to have the life that I believe that God had called me to. And he wasn't just going to give it to a plate, on a plate to me. Even during counseling, when I would counsel other people, I realized after a while that I was incorrectly addressing their problems because I was trying to 
fix the present problem with a present solution. I should have asked, what has brought you to this place? What has brought you to this place of how you're thinking, how you're feeling, and how you're acting? What has led you up to this specific place? And so I got to this place where I was asking these questions where someone would, you know, would say, I just can't succeed in business. I don't know what to do. And then I would say, well, obviously you just need business training. Or someone would say, I'm depressed. I'm, 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 I've got lots of self-doubt and I don't know what to think about myself. Like, well, obviously you just need encouragement. Let me encourage you. Or I'm going through marriage struggles and I'm like, well, you just need to learn the skills of how to live in harmony. And all these different things would come up and they would just come up with these answers that weren't actually fixing the problem for them because the real problem was much deeper. You see, their thoughts and their actions were actually being affected by feelings that had been formed at a different place in time. Let me say again. Their thoughts and their actions had been formed by the feelings that had been formed at a different place in time. Specifically, in the past. I realize that some of you are maybe more right-brained. When I talk about feelings, you can creatively understand. Yes, we know exactly what feelings are about. People who tend towards the right brain tend to understand how to process emotions, right? But, but people who are more left-brained, and maybe you can point at your spouse right now if you want, people who are more left-brained tend to discount emotions and put them off to the side and say, no, no, it's just a systematic problem and we need to find a solution. And if we could just do things correctly, we'll fix all the problems. Here's the issue with that. You can't legislate the heart. You can't tell the heart how to feel. Yes, you can discipline yourself all you want, but here's the thing. You need both of those things together. You need a logical approach, and you also need an emotional approach to these things. And in this whole process, in this discovery, I discovered that there was a blueprint. I discovered that there was a, a blueprint that I believe that God had designed. God had made a logical template for our emotions to be properly formed. And that blueprint is in the form of a family. The family is where you formulate all your emotions that you use for the rest of your life. People think they're in control of their emotions. They even think they make logical decisions like, I thought through the car that I wanted and I've laid out all the details. I know exactly what it is and I've calculated it all out when the fact is you just wanted it, right? Right? You just wanted it. I just really like that car. I want that car. And what I'm going to do is come up with enough information to justify why I should buy that car. Am I right? Amen? Yeah, not too many amens on that one. We do. We emotionally choose what we want and then we come up with logical reasons to justify why we're doing that very thing. So I looked more into this and, and, and in the scriptures there is so much when it comes to this stuff. In Exodus chapter 20 verse 12 it says this, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Right? Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Does anyone know what that's called? Does anyone know where this comes from? It comes from a list of things. Does anyone know what this? The Ten Commandments, right? God literally said, this is what I want you to do. He gave a blueprint. In fact, he's saying, your future blessing is based on how well you're connected to your mother and your father. 
Your future blessing of your life is going to be based on how well you are able to bless your mother and father, how you're able to honor them, how you're to be connected to them. That's interesting. Let me show you the other side of the coin. Later on in Exodus 34, 7, it says, He, that's God, God punishes the children and their children, look at this, for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. So third and fourth, let me think about that. That's great, great grandchildren. Now, when you're looking at this, you think, wait a second, that's not fair. You're saying, I have to pay the price of what my parents did. I'm the one. Is God going out of his way and go, ha, you did something wrong. I'm going to make your children pay for this. I don't know that God is going out of his way to try and punish children. I think he's, what he's doing is he's telling us this, that whatever dysfunction you pass on to your children, they're going to carry it on to. And then they're going to pass it on to their children, and they're going to pass it on to their children, and they're going to pass it on to their children. That's how far your dysfunction is going to last. It's going to go to your great, great grandchildren. In fact, some of the dysfunction that you're living with today has been inherited from your parents, that's been inherited from their parents, and their parents, and their parents' parents. This is the, what the scripture is telling us right now. We inherit the dysfunctions, the behaviors, and the habits of our children. The, Bible, the, 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 the dictionary has a really good description of what a blueprint is. A blueprint is an original plan or prototype that influences subsequent design or practice. An original plan. God has an original plan. He had a blueprint of how families should function. And by the way, reconfiguring family units will never work. I don't believe that if we, in fact, there's been some chatter right now that the whole idea of how the family unit actually exists is more of a patriarchal type of thing. And that's not the only way to do, to, to, to do family. In fact, there's other ways to have families. You can do single parents. You can have multiple wives. You can have, this is the conversation that's going on is that right now, the one parent, the, the one mother, one father thing, that's a patriarchal thing. I'm saying, no, it's a God thing. It's a God thing. And I believe that if we draw away from the design of God, then we're messing up what his, not on the, we're, sorry, we're not messing up his original plan. We're messing up ourselves. His original plan has always stayed the same. But this original plan can then subsequently affect the design or the practice, your behaviors. It'll affect your behaviors to be functional and will work properly. Imagine if you take a house, right? This designer built a, a house and he gives you the blue Prints and I know that some of you are in house building, etc. And you, you have blueprints. If you take those blueprints and go, I think I'm going to build it my own way, and you build it your own way, you can get to the place of going, why will this house not function properly? Why is it? I put walls on, I've got the roof on, the windows, I don't, I, I don't agree with the windows, let's get rid of the windows, but why is my air conditioning not working? And why can't I keep this place from getting wet? Right? And it's simply because the designer had designed it with an original idea that you should have windows to get the results that you really want, which is to not be wet from the rain, right? The same is true with the way that God has designed us. God's original blueprint to build you was the family. His original blueprint was the family. Now, some of you are probably sit, sitting here thinking, well, that's obvious. That's, yeah, we all know that. It does seem obvious, 
But it would seem that we have not really studied it as hard and as well as we should do. Because if we had, then I wouldn't have as many conversations with most of you about it. Right? And I can discover more and more that when I see that when a person's life doesn't match up to the original blueprint, sometimes people will ask me, how do you know how to ask the right questions when you're counseling? It's really easy. I don't need to know anything about that person. I just need to know about what God had designed. And then I measure that person against what God has designed and say, hey, have you got this? Did this happen? Did you do that? Did you go through this process? Did you have this honor? Did you have this blessing? And where you see it not happening, that's when you say, we need to talk about that. That issue right there is where you're having problems because God designed family to give you all what God, with all the things that he wants to give you. You weren't born with skills. You weren't born with attitudes or behaviors, the right behaviors, the right words, the right wisdom. You were born with none of these things. Only Adam and Eve were born with these things. God designed family to give you all of those things. None of us were born in a vacuum. We're the product of our upbringing. Now, this is not about trying to just blame our parents for what they have done, but it's to understand what we've come from so we can address what we need to address. Why? Not just to just help ourselves, but so that we don't pass this on to our children and our children's children. Somebody has to say, enough is enough. Someone has to say, I'm going back to the way that God originally designed things. So, in the next few weeks, we're actually going to really open this up to help you go on this journey to discover what things need to change in your life to actually take hold of the things that God wants to give you. Some of you are like, God has promised me to give blessing. God has promised me these great things, but he can't give you those things because he can't put them in a house that's falling apart. He can't put them into the hands of someone who doesn't have the tools to handle the things that he wants to give you. So I'm going to give you just a quick overview of the foundation that we're really going to be working from. And we're going to be looking at this thing called the first four relationships of your life. I'm going to just quickly go through this. The first four relationships of your life are the first four relationships that form who you are today. Everything of who you are is based on all of these four relationships. And here's the, the thing with those four relationships. None of you choose them. None, of them. none of you decided to have any of those relationships. They were put on your plate. They're inviolable. You can't choose it. You can't get rid of it. It's part of your life. And here's the first one. Your first relationship was with God. Now, why would I say with God? Because it says in Scripture that God said, I knew you before you were formed in the womb. That means a person is a person before they get in the womb, right? That's why we are against abortion, because a person is a person before they're in the womb. God places the spirit into the flesh, and they become one in the womb. And so I do believe as well that, 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 that as a child, I believe that many most, I'm, I'm sorry, I believe that everybody is more sensitive to God when they're a child than when they become an adult. Why? Because when we become an adult, we tend to build up these filters in the world, right? And we start filtering out the spiritual things. We start going through emotional things. We filter out the spiritual things. But as a child, I believe that many of you probably spoke to and heard God and saw God when you were children more than you do now because we're much more open to these things. And so we have a relationship with God. 
The second one is, of course, is a relationship with your mother. Your mother is your first point of physical contact and emotional contact in your in, in the womb. And so I, I, an important thing about your mother is you, I believe that your mother tends to determine what you feel about yourself, right? Whereas your father tends to determine what you think about yourself. And we'll explain that more as we're going along in the coming weeks as well. But of course, the third relationship you have is with your father. And then the last relationship is your extended family. Now, some of you might go, what about your friends? What about your teachers? What about babysitters, etc.? They're all wonderful relationships, but they don't have the power that these relationships have for you. And your extended family, I believe, is very important to you because in your extended family is where you tend to interact with people who are on an equal footing with you. You see, these first relationships are not on an equal footing. God is God. Your mother and your father, they tell you what to do. You have to honor them. But with your siblings, you have to learn how to interact with them right? When I was, I was the youngest of four and, and whenever my mother and father would go away for the day and uh, they would tell my brother, Andrew, you're the oldest, you're in charge. And I go, okay, I'm in charge. And then we all have to do exactly what Andrew told us to do. By the end of the day, we're all killing each other, right? Suddenly, it's not fair. This is, this is not fair. And I think I have a voice. I know I'm the youngest, but I'm a sibling just as you're a sibling. You have no more. You're not my dad. Anyone said that before, right? You're not my dad. You start fighting with each other until your father walks in the door and suddenly you're like, yes, sir. Suddenly, yeah, my daughter's laughing because she knows exactly what I'm talking about, right? Suddenly, you perk up and all you're behaving now. Why? Because your father came in a room or your mother came in your room. But with your extended family, you're like, you're not telling me what to do. Right? Even with aunts and uncles, it's amazing how, how these are the four relationships that help formulate what you think about yourself, what you feel about yourself, and what you think you're capable of doing. But the thing is, with those first four relationships that you don't choose, they directly affect the last three relationships that you do choose. Let me go through these last three relationships. The first one is your friends. Now, usually about your teenage years is when you start formulating your friendships. But even with that, your parents can say you're not hanging out with them anymore. So when you become a full-fledged adult, you choose your friends. Who are you hanging out with? Are you going to be hanging out with uh, someone who's going to have a good influence on you or a bad influence on you? Are you going to have a, a, a hanging out with people who are encouraging you to become who you're meant to become or not, not to become who you're meant to become? Your friends are who you choose. The second relationship you choose is your spouse. Now, this doesn't take into account forced marriages, but this is not, we're talking about the blueprint of God, right? Right? I didn't choose my forced marriage. That's true. But we're talking about the blueprint of God, where even if you're recommended someone to marry, you still have to make a conscious decision to say, yes, I'm going to marry that person. All your emotions that you have created here are affecting what type of person that you choose to marry. That's why so many of us often will end up marrying someone who's often like our father or like your mother. Because that's your only source of love. But if it was dysfunctional love, then you end up choosing someone who's dysfunctional for you. It's amazing how the things that you loved about the person that you married, I just love this person. I love how bold they are. I love how strong they are. And it's just so wonderful, right? Then you get married to them. You're like, I can't stand how they're always giving me their opinion. And they have to be their way or a highway. And suddenly the things that you loved about the person, you can't stand about the person. Am I right? No? No hands up. Okay, don't worry about it. That's fine. I see you at home. Hand up. 
But it's amazing how your spouse is someone you choose and that affects your life. The last relationship, of course, is your children. Your children are the ones you choose to have. That's not including rape, of course. But remember, we're talking about the blueprint of God, the, 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 the relationships that you do choose to have. Now, let me say just a couple of things quickly on it. Any function or dysfunction in the first four relationships manifest themselves in the last three relationships, right? Now, I get it, jobs, bosses, all that type of stuff, you do have relationships with that, but these are the most important relationships that you have in your life that you choose. But any dysfunction that happens here is going to manifest itself in the three relationships that you do choose. If you're emotionally frozen here, when an issue comes up in your life and you're emotionally frozen at 10 years old because you don't know what to do when you're dealing with an issue, then that's going to manifest itself in the last three relationships. That whatever stress comes up in these three relationships that looks anything like these four relationship stresses are going to manifest the same emotions you had here are going to manifest right here too. You see what I'm saying? And it's important to be able to understand that so you can disconnect yourself from that emotion. It's amazing in marriages or in battles in life how people who are in the body of a 20, a 30, a 40-year-old person can suddenly feel the emotions of a 10-year-old boy. And sometimes when I'm speaking to people, I'll often ask them, I'll often ask myself, what age am I speaking to? Because you start speaking in such a way that you sound like a 10-year-old child. Like, well, I just feel this and I just, I feel, I don't know what to do. And I, you know, like, well, why don't you go speak to someone? I'm too scared to do that. You're 30 years old. Why won't you speak to that person? Now I could just say, suck it up, discipline yourself. No, no, it's an emotion. And I bet you that it started somewhere in the beginning of their life. Are you following me so far on this? It's important that we learn how to become unstuck because we're emotionally frozen in certain areas in our life, in our childhood. I was speaking to a sweet young man the other day. <clears throat> what a great guy he is. He has just really grown in leaps and bounds and he's become really successful in life and he's got a family and a marriage and everything. And he came to speak to me for quite a while ago and, uh, and he was telling me just like, I'm just, I've, I've just got struggles and I'm just stuck. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, tell me about your dad. Tell me about your mom. And of course, it got to the place where his, his, his father had, had, had cheated on his mother and he found out when he was a, a young lad. And I said, have you ever talked to your dad about it? And he said, no. I said, why not? And he's like, well, what am I going to say? How do I, how do I talk to him? And I'm like, I totally understand. It's a hard thing to do, especially if you're 10 years old. How do you go approach your father about this thing? And I said, but the problem is you're still stuck at 10 years old in that place, finding your father doing the wrong thing. And now you've got fear in your life that you feel abandoned and you, you haven't resolved that. You've not moved on from that moment in your life and you need to move on from it. So we went through the whole process and he got to a place where he was able to deal with this thing. And I told him, this is going to be harder than you think. And he said, no, I should be fine. I'll, I'll be able to do it. And I said, no, it's going to be way harder than you think. Two weeks later, he came back and he said, this is way harder than I thought it was going to be. Right? It was way harder. It's very hard to do it because you're telling yourself to feel those emotions again so that you can deal with them and then get them out of your life. It's time for us to become the people of God that God needs us to be, the grown-up sons and daughters so that he can entrust us with greater things and that we can enjoy the things that he has called us to do.
In the coming weeks, we're going to look at what normal family relationship looks like. We're going to look at what it, uh, how to find out whether you're stuck or not. We're going to look at how do you become unstuck. And then, of course, we're going to also look at how to actually become a normal family for yourself. Whether you're single, married, or have children, you can become the normal family according to the blueprint that God has given us. So, in a sense, that was kind of an overview of what we're about to dig in. To. This week, I'm going to ask you to, as you're in your groups, to ask certain questions about yourself, to examine what you've come from. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's difficult sometimes to examine those things because those things can sometimes be painful, they can be hurtful, but it's going to be hard, I get it, but if you want to move on and you want to get past certain emotions that seem to always come up when stresses come around your life, I want you to know you're going to have to dig into the past a little bit more. So let's stand as we end our service this morning. Father God, we are so grateful for your word. We're grateful that you have given us a great plan. We're grateful that you've given us a blueprint. We're grateful that there is an answer, there is a way that there is no curse against us that can overcome us because the cross of Christ has cleared that away for us. But we now need to take those curses off of us. We need to take off those old clothes, those old ways, those old habits, those old thinking, those old words, Lord. We have to change those things to live out the life that you have so, so wonderfully given to us. I pray, Father, that every person is here. You'll speak to them this week. Speak to them even now. Speak to them in their spirit as a father speaks to a child in a tender, strong manner that they will start to discover things. That even right now, they're bringing up things from their past that they go, oh man, I'm going to have to think about that and talk about that stuff. I pray, Lord, that you would relieve us and release us from those things that hold us back and hold us down. Fill us with your spirit once again. We ask, we ask, we ask. And we pray for the Stag family and the Savi family that you'll fill them with your spirit, oh God. Put angels of protection around them, Lord. Protect them, God, from violence, from evil, from this day forward, oh God. We ask this in your precious son's name. And all God's people said, Amen. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. We love you guys.